Why shouldn't you celebrate yourself? (laughs) Self-love. Exactly. So we've started again. Episode two. We have started. How are you, Abby? <laughs> I am angry. <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been such an angry person like all day. I have been harumphing like an old man about literally every single thing that's happened to me today. So I'm trying to set that negative energy aside because I have been an old bastard. you know sometimes you just have those days Mm -hmm. so it's okay we all deserve those days i you know i like that idea like it was an indulgent day i really indulged Mm -hmm. in my crankiness today i let nothing (laughs) stop me from letting the whole world know just how upsetting and uncomfortable and inconvenient i find it (laughs) are you drinking anything today yes i'm drinking so much today thank you for asking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are you drinking today, Abby? We bought a giant bottle of Woodbridge Cabernet Cab and you know, the cab. The Cabernet Sauvignon. Sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that one? Excellent. Good job. That the, one. The, the red I w- one? I was mispronouncing it so that you would have a chance to practice. Thank you. You are. I need, I need lots of chances to practice my welcome. wine varietals. Uh, yeah, so we bought that to marinate some steak, and I thought it was a damn shame to let the rest of the bottle go to waste. So I have been working on it steadily over the past few days. Nice. I am down to my last two glasses, and it's really been a comfort to me during this day where I've been super cranky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to open. I have a bottle of Pinot Noir, uh, bread and butter Pinot Noir. It's delicious. Did I you open it? Open it. Because I drink an entire bottle of champagne. Yeah, you did. French 75s <laughs> by myself last night. <laughs> but I'm not too hungover. Um, champagne doesn't give me that bad of a hangover. So mm-hmm. I decided just to go and for it. And it's your birthday. So you get to do yeah, whatever exactly. you want. Birthday wine is it's, a thing. That's, it is. As our birthday French thing. 75s on your birthday eve. Yeah. <laughs> for for me, I celebrate like the entire month. Exactly. Like my birthday is a national holiday or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's Kelsey season. Are you going to do anything fun after we record? No, I'm just, it's chill today. Just Last having night a chill day. Was, yeah, yesterday um, playing games with you guys and having brunch with my family was kind of my celebration. It's like a COVID celebration, so it's not like I can really go out and do anything, which is fine. Yeah. I think once you uh, celebrate your 30th birthday, the next one that you got to go big for is like 40. So it's every 10 years after your 30th is when you get to make Mm -hmm. a big deal about it. I love people who love their birthday. When people are like mopey around their birthday, oh, I don't care about my birthday, but they do. They just have too high of expectations of other people to make it good for them. Mm -hmm. My birthday uh, motto is, you know, make it good for me. I'm going to. Remind everyone in my life. <laughs> Tell people exactly what I want. Yeah. Make it happen. That's all completely fair. 
too. And I'm never disappointed. <laughs> because you planned it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I also find people who pretend not to let, like who, they, they want to have their cake and eat it too as far as their personal vanity. They don't want to be seen as someone who's super vain or really into themselves. And so they say, oh, I don't care about my birthday. But they actually care a lot and they get very disappointed if their birthday doesn't go the way they want. What was your favorite fairy tale movie as a child? Which is the one, which, which is, what stands out in your memory as the one that really grabbed you? Am I allowed to say The Tenth Kingdom? Does that count? I'll allow it. Okay, so we actually mentioned The Tenth Kingdom in our last episode. So that is an epic miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually just go to it as like, that's my favorite movie just of all time. It's, I think, about eight hours long, but it's so good. Is like a bunch of fractured, it's not fractured fairy tales, but it's kind of like if fairy tales were their history, mm-hmm. which I love that. Yeah, where it's a hodgepodge of a bunch of different fairy tales that all interact with each other and they all inhabit this dimension that exists, I guess, side by side with our own, but where fairy tale mm-hmm. stuff is all history. So, you mm-hmm. know, like Snow White was a very famous queen that lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago in this mm-hmm. fairy tale kingdom. And, and the idea is that probably not just the Brothers Grimm, but that the Brothers Grimm ended up in that dimension and brought those stories, that history back to our dimension. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's, oh, it's so good. It's my absolute favorite. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent choice. Yeah, it's very, uh, for kids, it's really hokey and like a little over the top. The acting is so over the top, but it's also, that's what gives it its charm. Yeah. It's extremely cheesy. Yeah. But, but I love it. Ugh. Other than that, I really loved Red Riding Hood. That was like my first favorite fairy tale of all time. Just the story. Cause I don't think there was ever like a good, not a good, there's movie. like, there's that, there's that one with Amanda Seyfried. Oh no. Did you ever see that one? Yes. We watched it together. Yes, remember? I, the, we, were we like, did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why would you say no to your dad and not become a wolf? That's yeah, so cool. Uh, spoiler alert for Red Riding Hood or whatever they ended up calling that terrible movie. But uh, her <laughs> her dad was a werewolf and it was badass. And he's like, you should come be a werewolf with me. And she was she said no, like a crazy woman. Yeah. Again, villain sympathizers. Or Yeah. Yes. But- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've got to we've got to have like a detailed psychological uh, going into that at some point in the future. But that was a great fairy tale. The great aunt had a cool doll. On one side, it was the grandma. And if you flipped her dress over on the other side, it turned into Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. And then she also had like the wolf. And if you turned it over, it became the axe man. So it was kind of cool. That is so cool. Yeah, I wish I had it. That's like one of the one things I wish I had from her. Mm-hmm. Abby, what was your favorite childhood fairy tale movie? I have so many answers. There are so many fairy tale movies <laughs> that such a loaded I question, loved. It's such, it? it's such a loaded question. It would have to be split in between The Swan Princess because it had a great villain. The best villain. <laughs> uh, no More Mr. Nice Guy is the best song that's ever been done for a children's movie. That is my hot take. And we have to have okay, so eventually we're you're gonna have to tell the story of the Swan Princess. Yes. And we have to have a very lengthy discussion about how fucking hot uh Rutherford, right? So Rutherford? Hot. Uh, Rothbart. I'm always like, why didn't she just marry him? I would have, and then I well, remember. Oh, I mean, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> he killed Ro- her Ro- dad. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always forget about that small detail. That just little, that just tiny detail, he killed her dad. Other than that, <sighs> uh, marriage material. If he just had played it cool and just... Not killed her dad. Yeah. Some If some super hot daddy was like... Mustached daddy. Hey, I want to I want to get with you and I can turn you into fucking animals. I've got magic. Mhm. Uh, I want to be turned into a swan if I want. Where do I sign? <laughs> that kind of goes into my story a little bit today. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but hang on. <laughs> We're not quite segueing yet. Yes. <laughs> so it's split between that and and my favorite childhood fairy tale mashup into the woods, which I'm also oh, yeah. I am also cheating because it is the it is a film that was recording the original Broadway cast mm-hmm. doing Into the Woods. Not the not the movie with Meryl Streep. That was okay. I'm talking about the actual play. Mm-hmm. Was so good. I still listen to the soundtrack all the time. And that's that's much more adult. But I highly recommend it if you can find the Broadway cast recording. It's so funny and so sad and so sweet. And all of the fairy tales kind of come together and intermingle in each other's lives in a very fun way i think they do rapunzel cinderella jack and the beanstalk they make up a couple red riding hood is in it yeah in fact abby and her sister it means so much to both of them they have tattoos yes yes we we love it so much that we each have a because we the the princes cinderella's prince and rapunzel's prince both have a song they have a song together because they're brothers in the play and they have a song together and so i have uh, a slipper that represents Cinderella's Prince because that was the part of the song that I would always sing. And then Maddie has a ear of corn <laughs> that represents Rapunzel's Prince because he compares Rapunzel's hair to an ear of corn during his part of the song. It's such a funny song. It's called Agony. If you watch the if you watch the theatrical movie that they shot, I think it's like Chris Pine and some other equally hot dude that I forget. Who should have been Neil Patrick Harris. In should have been Neil Patrick Harris, but it wasn't. And it was a crime. <laughs> but they're like flinging themselves sexily all over this waterfall, singing about their two princesses that they want to marry. It's great. Anyway. It's a riot. It's so good. It's it's a riot. And it's amazing. Yeah. Ugh. So those those are the those are the the movies that really stuck with me that I still think about and sometimes rewatch all the time. Mm-hmm. So, Swans. I chose my story this week based on the fact that it's by Hans Christian Andersen. So I am very Danish. Uh, my family's Danish. My grandma and great aunt were 100% Danish. And one of the greatest fairy tale writers of our time, Hans Christian Andersen. I have the, the complete works. Translation by Jean Herschelt from Canterbury Classics, uh, published in 2014. <laughs> This story, <laughs> I got my NPR, my NPR voice doing that. I don't know why. Very nice, very nice. But I chose The Wild Swans, and it was written in 1838, and it is just a wild ride. It is so perfect and so beautiful, and the way Hans Christian Andersen writes the descriptions of everything in this book is just beautiful. So if you can read this fairy tale, there are a few different versions I've seen like online. They're usually, they just shorten some things. Um, but I'm going to tell the complete story today. And I know Abby knows this one. So since Abby actually knows this fairy tale pretty well, I'm going to I have her predict. One. Yes. I'm going to have her, instead of predicting the fairy tale itself, I'm going to have her predict 
what I would fix about it. Because I know she hasn't read it for a while, so she doesn't have all the details. So I want you to predict how I would fix this almost perfect fairy tale. I actually had a hard time coming up with some fixes. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's so good. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. Okay, so from what I remember about this story, it involves a couple of moments that are extremely troublesome I think for um for a modern audience there's there's definitely a part where she's not allowed to talk and she just has to endure whatever is going to happen to her I'm trying to speak vaguely just in case there are some people who don't who don't know the story my prediction is that your fix will be her being able to write a note or something <laughs> <laughs> Since she's Fix not the allowed education to system. I, oh, shit. <laughs> Maybe she can't read. <laughs> I would like to fix the education system. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, honestly, that could also be a fix that you would in do. In this land, in mm-hmm. this kingdom. I'm going to fix this educational system. Let's well, see. now I'm just coming up with more fixes. I that she's going actually to, I, okay, work. here's my prediction. I predict that she is going to, that, in, that your fix will be her finding some way to assert herself. Is that too vague? No. Okay. And then that she will finish the sleeve on the last shirt. No. Sorry. I'm already (laughs) telling you you're wrong. It's not helpful. That's what makes it better for me. All right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and start. Just just tell me. Just tell me the story. Just tell me the story. So again, this is The Wild Swans written in 1838 by Hans Christian Andersen. Far, far away where the swallows fly when we have winter, there lived a king. There lived a king who had 11 sons and one daughter named Elisa, which imagine having 12 kids. Whew. I'm already <laughs> overwhelmed. <laughs> That's way too much. If you're a king, uh, okay. That's you know, fair. you've got you've got nursemaids, you've got nannies, you've got governesses, <laughs> you've got tutors. You're not raising these kids is my point. Yeah. You're the king. Well, and she has a name. This is already yes. starting really well. She's actually the only one who has a name. That's exciting. Lisa. I think in the version of the story that I've read before, she does not have a name. So I yes. love it. And it's a beautiful name. Elisa. Love it. Well, as these stories go, uh, their mother and the queen dies when they're young. So the king remarries a wicked queen. And at the wedding, instead of his 12 children getting all the cakes and baked apples they could eat, their stepmother gave them some sand in a teacup and were told to make believe <laughs> this was a special treat. <laughs> yeah rude (laughs) (laughs) what so because their stepmother obviously isn't a kid person uh, (laughs) (laughs) if i may be so bold how old so if is elisa the youngest yes how old is she you know i'm gonna say say she's probably let's say like 11 or 12 at this point okay all right so Elisa is sent away to live and with cousins. she's got cousins. 11 siblings. Yes, 11 older brothers. She's 11 older brothers. 11 older brothers. No, but also, okay, so let's see. Let's say their mother popped out like one every 18 months or so. <laughs> yeah. Her, her oldest brother is in his 20s somewhere. Yep. If, if we're going yep. by Elisa's like 11 or 12 at this point. Yeah. And he just let his stepmother feed him a teacup full of sand. <laughs> I guess so. This is the future king we're talking about, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Super weird. Goddamn. All right. Keep going. And this, the king that marries her, their their father obviously isn't great because he's 
like I said, he all, he's not raising these kids. He lets all this. Ha- okay, thank you. That's a good reminder. I'm just coming up with more fixes as we talk about it. <laughs> he doesn't sound like he's a very engaged dad. <laughs> um, so uh, because the stepmother obviously isn't a kid person, uh, Elisa is sent away to live with peasants. Well, her brothers ended up with a different fate. Fly away like big birds without a voice, says the queen. While she meant to do more harm, they turned into beautiful, eloquent white swans, and they fly out of the palace and into the woods. Huh. So, Elisa lives in the woods with peasants, and she doesn't have anything to play with other than this leaf. And she would look through the hole in the leaf, and she finds the sun, and the warm rays remind her of her brothers and all of their kisses. So she has just, she loves her brothers. It's really sweet. She constantly thinks about them and how much she misses them. And it's just a really beautiful story about siblings and that strange, but like really special closeness you can feel with a sibling, especially when you have 11 brothers. I mean, that's so many siblings. (laughs) So Elisa is to return home when she turns 15. Reminds me a lot of, like, Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, yeah, definitely That's some Sleeping Beauty thing. elements in there. So it's a few years later when she turns 15, and once she returns, the evil stepmother discovers how beautiful this little princess has become. And she plays with the idea of turning her into a wild swan like her brothers. So maybe she did that with the brothers because they were older? Ooh, yeah, okay, sure, 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 sure. Something? More of a threat to her, more of an active threat? Mm-hmm. But uh, the king wants to see his daughter, so she doesn't turn her into a wild swan. Instead of turning her into a swan, the queen tries to curse Elisa with three toads that she kisses and bids them to make her torpid, ugly, and tormented. But young Elisa is too young and too innocent for this kind of evil magic, and it doesn't work. This infuriates the queen. And she rubs Elisa with walnut stain and smears her face with a vile ointment and tangles her hair so her father doesn't recognize her. Aww. <laughs> so mean. I mean, evil stepmother. I mean, Elisa's not trying to kill her. I, I could think of worse stepmother. <laughs> <laughs> That's no way. <laughs> That's a pretty low bar. It's very mean. So This is very cruel stuff. Yeah. And she's jealous of a little 15 year old girl yeah oh hell is wrong with this woman gross so elisa is distraught and she runs far far into the woods and laments for her brothers she realizes they too have been driven out of the kingdom by their wicked stepmother and she awakens the next morning in this beautiful forest where she finds a spring and bathes and is transformed again into her beautiful self so she wanders through the forest for days and it comes upon an old woman She asks the old woman if she has seen her brothers, and the old woman replies that she has not, but she did see 11 swans wearing gold crowns bathing in a nearby river. So Elisa follows her direction until she comes upon the sea. (laughs) How does that work? They're wearing crowns, the swans? Yeah. Swans with tiny crowns. I would also be looking for those swans because that sounds adorable. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Instagram culture had really taken off yet at this point. I didn't see 11 men, but I did see 11 swans and they were wearing tiny crowns. <laughs> and somehow I did not try to capture one and take one home as a pet. How cute is that? <laughs> that sounds pretty Pixar, cute. it didn't happen, old woman. <laughs> <laughs> so Elisa follows her directions to try to find this river and she comes upon the sea. 
Here, Elisa has a revelation. She sees countless beautiful pebbles in the ocean that have become smooth and soft from the ebb and flow of the waves. Here, she decides she must be like the sea, determined and strong and never unwavering. Yeah, it's a really sweet moment in the book. I love that. In the tale. So at sunset, Elisa finds 11 white swans with golden crowns flying toward the shore. They swoop down beside her, and as soon as the sun sets beyond the sea, the swans transform into 11 handsome princes, Elisa's brothers. Of course. Of course. (laughs) So although years have gone by and they can hardly recognize each other, they've grown and changed. Yeah, one of them is pushing 30 at this point. <laughs> they realize who they are and they have a happy and wonderful reunion. They, they hug each other and they all say each other's names and it's just a really nice, happy moment. Because they all love each other. Because mm-hmm. they're all really close siblings. Yeah. Aww. So they explain to her that while the sun is up, they're cursed and transformed into swans by their wicked stepmother. And as soon as the sun sets, they're transformed back into their human form. So it's dangerous and they must be wary of the sun's placement at all times because if the sun sets while they're still flying, they fall to their death, which is really intense. Wow. They've got to be really good with their timing. Yeah. As soon as the sun's gone, it's like back into human form. They also explain that they're only able to come to their homeland once a year for 11 days. The rest of the year, they're forced to fly across the sea to a distant land, which is beautiful, but it's not their homeland, where their father is and where their mother is buried and where they have found their dear sister again. Aww. So Elise's brothers tell her that it's two days' journey across the sea where they're outcast for most of the year. There is no island in between when they are forced to turn into their human form again, but there's a small rock in the middle of the ocean that is barely big enough for them to lay on until they can fly again. This sucks! Their brothers must leave their homeland within two days, so they spend the next two days with Elisa and ask her eventually if she will come with them. And I'm going to read directly from the book. Wait, to the rock? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me how this happens. So, uh, directly from the book... Tomorrow we must fly away, and we dare not return until a whole year has passed. But we cannot leave you like this. Have you courage enough to come with us? My arm is strong enough to carry you through the forest, so surely the wings of all of us should be strong enough to bear you across the sea. Oh my gosh, I might cry. <laughs> I know, it's I'm really, I'm misting really up sweet. a little bit, for real. <laughs> if you cry, I'll die laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'm going to stop doing it. So, Elisa agrees. I mean, also, how does that even work, though? So I'm going to tell you. Okay, tell me, tell me, tell me how it works. So Elisa definitely wants to go with them. She doesn't want to stay where the evil stepmother can find her and probably do worse things to her. That's fair. And they make a net out of willow bark and brush. And the next morning, the swans gather it up with their beaks and they fly Elisa across the sea. And the youngest brother, who she obviously has a very special relationship with, has Mm -hmm. gathered berries and sweet roots for her to eat on the trip over and shields her eyes from the sun as they're flying along. And they fly all day for hours until nightfall slowly creeps up on them. So because they're carrying Elisa, they're flying slower than in previous journeys. And the sun is rapidly falling and the storm is approaching. Oh, my God. They can't even see the rock that they're going to to spend the night on in their human form so in terror elisa watched the sinking sun for the lonely rock was nowhere in sight 
It seemed to her that the swans beat their wings in the air more desperately. Alas, it was because of her that they could not fly fast enough. So soon as the sun went down, they would turn into men and all of them would pitch down into the sea and drown. (laughs) Okay. Tell me how they make it. (laughs) (laughs) So this part of the book gave me like an absolute heart attack. My eyes were wide the whole time. Yeah, I am kind of tense right now. Yeah, it's wild. So Elisa prays to God, all while black clouds are gathering and lightning is striking down around them. The sun touches the rim of the sea and the swans start to shoot downward. Elisa's heart beats rapidly and she sees the rock. It's in the middle of the sea and it's no larger than the head of a seal jutting out of the water. That's a tiny rock. How did 11 grown men balance on this rock for like all... I? <laughs> I know it's got to be bigger than that. I think it's I think Elisa's being a little over dramatic. Yeah, no, she's definitely <laughs> being over dramatic. She's fifteen. We have to forgive her. Being fifteen is hard enough. <laughs> being fifteen is a very dramatic time. So the sun is sinking, sinking, and as soon as the last ray of light dies out, Elisa's foot touches down on solid ground, and there's only enough room for all of them to huddle together for the night. They all hold each other and sing psalms to comfort and give them courage while the storm around them rages. Wow. (laughs) Honestly, the visual on that is so cool. And the tale, the actual tale is just so beautiful. Um, Hans Christian Andersen really like creates a very picturesque scene. I mean, he he has a great way with words that just, it's really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His writing is surprisingly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, in all of the other versions of this that I've read, they skip over this part completely. They're just like, and mm-hmm. then she and her brothers move to a land very, very far away. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, no, this is my favorite part of the this book. This is great. Yeah, I have yeah. not heard this part before. I am on tender hooks. Okay, tell me the rest. So much happens in this tale. It's insane. So at dawn, the air is still and calm, and her brothers waste no time before swooping her up and flying off again across the sea. While they're flying, they pass a beautiful, mysterious land that is half floating in the air with castles and palm trees and brilliant flowers that bloom as big as windmills. But they're big flowers. They're beautiful. So she asks if that's the land they're going to, but her brothers explain that that is actually the ever-changing palace of Fata Morgana, and no mortal can ever enter. Ooh, Morgana is in The Witch? Ah, uh, you know, Fada, so Fada Morgana means mirage. It's Ooh. a complex form of superior mirage that is seen in a narrow band right above the horizon. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so you can actually Google search like Fada Morgana and it'll show you like it looks like things are half out of the water, like a ship from that's far away. But this is a palace. It's very mysterious. Okay, that sounds really cool. It seems really random, but it will come back into play. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I was just about to say, like, I hope so. (laughs) So they end their journey long before sunset on a mountainside in front of a large cave where Elisa is to sleep. She She wishes so badly to set her brothers free, and she prays all night so earnestly that she is even still praying in her sleep. She dreams of flying over Fata Morgana, and a fairy comes out of the palace to greet her. The fairy resembles the old woman she met in the woods that helped her find her brothers. She Mm -hmm. tells her that she can set her brothers free, but it will be painful and make her suffer greatly. She tells her she must gather stinging nettles from the church graveyard and crush them with her feet, turning them into flax so she can spin and weed them into 11 shirts 
with long sleeves. Once she places the shirts over her 11 brothers, the spell will be broken and they will remain men. Okay. By the way, I actually didn't know this before I read this. Nettles, I guess, are a plant. Mm -hmm. So it's like a common plant in the UK where, you know, if you touch them, they're really painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part of the price of freeing her brothers is is withstanding this this pain. Um so it's a so the old woman was a fairy. Well, I mean it's a dream, but yeah, uh-huh. definitely. Yeah, she's definitely a fairy. Absolutely. <laughs> definitely a fairy. Something also interesting that she cuz cuz Hans Christian Andersen stories are very Christian. Yes. In nature, so I just find it I mean, as they've as they've like has already been demonstrated in this story, where they they sang each other psalms to comfort them, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, so I just find it interesting that a fairy answers her prayers. There's a lot more Christian elements in this book than I wrote down in my notes mm-hmm. personally, uh, but yeah, that is interesting. That's a good yeah. point. Just just an interesting note, but yeah. But continue. Okay, so she has to she has to use stinging nettles to weave a shirt for her brothers. Yes, and that one will turn them back into men. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the fairy tells her there's a stipulation. Once she begins this task, although it will be painful and take years to accomplish, she must not speak, for the first word she says will strike like a knife into her brother's hearts and kill them all. Oh, my God. Yeah, she says their lives are at the mercy of your tongue. <laughs> so, and she touches Elisa's hand with a nettle that burns like fire and wakes her up from her dream. But all she can do is thank God and she's off to start her task. Wow. Okay. As I mean, as if having to weave a bunch of shirts out of stinging, out of plants that sting you mm-hmm. wasn't bad enough, but that's fine. Yep. Yeah. And she doesn't waste any time. She is just grateful that there's something she can do and she gets right to work. So she is just the sweetest 15 year old. <laughs> I know. Absolutely no 15 year olds. That nice. Yeah, I know, right? So at first, her brothers are alarmed that Elisa is no longer speaking when they see her next. And that they're worried that the evil stepmother has done something to her, has cursed mm-hmm. her again. But they see her blistered hands and understand that she she's actually laboring to save them. So I guess they understand it almost right away. And her youngest brother weeps for her and his tears heal her blisters and cures her pain. Oh, they don't so sweet. That is so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little while down the road. Elisa hears hunting rifles and barking hounds nearby. She's frightened, so she goes to hide in her cave. And a handsome king and his huntsmen find Elisa and immediately sees how beautiful she is. And right. of course, yep. why That's not? That's very, very handsome kingly of them. Handsome kings yes. and princes ride by all the time and see cute girls either in huts <laughs> and when course, they can't talk or in a glass coffin. He kidnaps her. Sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> That's about right. Wait, so how long has it been? You know, I'm assuming at this point probably like a few months. Okay. She's been she's been working on the net, uh, the shirts. She's been weaving and she has, you know, I think she has one or two finished. Okay. So it's been a, so it's been a few months since she got her vision. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't really I don't have like a super great timeline on this, but that's my guess. Fairy tales, man, they're super vague. <laughs> right? Yeah, the okay. fairy did say it would take years, but she's also finishing it very quickly because she is so motivated. Mhm. Well, what else does she have to do? And, and again, it goes back to her revelation of she needs to be like the sea. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Firm. She's very, very motivated. Yes. Okay, great. So, so Handsome King, he kidnaps her because that's yeah. what Handsome Kings do when they see pretty girls in the woods. <laughs> Especially ones that can't speak. Yep. Perfect the woman one. for me. <laughs> so fucked up. So Please continue. He, he promises to dress her in silk and velvet and adorn her with a gold crown and give her his finest palace to live in. She cries and dares not speak as he lifts her up on his horse and promises her someday she will thank him for doing this. Okay, well, I changed my mind about what I think your fixes are going to be. <laughs> well, the king decides to marry Elisa. Sure. Because of how beautiful she is. Mm-hmm. But the king's archbishop calls her a witch that blinded them and has stolen the king's heart. The king doesn't believe the archbishop and intends to marry her anyway. And Elisa is just, she's terribly sad. And nothing the king does to try to make her happy works until... It's because you kidnapped her. <laughs> well, he makes her very happy. He creates a room that looks like her cave that she lived in and brings all of her work, all of the shirts and all of the nettles and material that she had used. This makes her so happy that she's overcome with joy. She weeps and her lips are trembling and she's smiling. She's so happy because now her hope has been restored that she can save her brothers. And she's so grateful to the king for this gesture. She kisses his hand and she starts to just become very fond of him. And he does his best to please her. She becomes so fond of him that she wishes she could confide in him and tell him everything. Aw. Okay. This is getting better. I'm a little less upset. Me too. (laughs) I wanted to be more upset, but... (laughs) I mean, at least, you know, making the best of a bad situation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I, I do still incredibly dislike the themes of kidnapping a woman because she's pretty. <laughs> yeah. And and like kind of not really being that bothered that she can't speak to you or communicate in any way. Uh, but she's crying yeah. a lot. But you're still going to marry her because she's pretty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it cracks me up. There's actually a line that this mute woman from the woods will become queen. <laughs> and it's like, that seems cool. like a good choice. <laughs> Um, but she's so happy about this so she works at night to finish the shirts but she runs out of flax and this means she must go to the churchyard to gather more nettles so during the night she sneaks into the churchyard and sees a group of vampires (laughs) oh my god are you fucking kidding me that was not in the version I read I wrote this in my notes side note this is where the story gets me because it's like a totally normal fairy tale and then all of a sudden there's vampires there's vampires here <laughs> like what? what what the damn hell i'm actually gonna read you this paragraph because it's please so... <laughs> <laughs> she saw a group of vampires sitting in a circle on one of the large gravestones like they do <laughs> exactly the hideous ghouls took off their ragged clothes as if they were about to bathe With skinny fingers, they clawed open the new graves. Greedily, they snatched out of the bodies and ate the flesh from them. Elisa had to pass close to them, and they fixed their vile eyes upon her. But she said a prayer and picked the stinging nettles and carried them back to the palace. (laughs) And that's it! (laughs) That's it? (laughs) That's all you hear from the vampires. What? (laughs) What? Was is this like a crossover episode <laughs> with a different fairy tale where somebody's actually dealing with the vampire problem in this yeah. town? Because it's it's not the sexy vampire problem. <laughs> the damn it's, it's not it's not the Anne Rice Lestat vampire problem. It's ugly 
Nosferatu cool vampire problem. Who's dealing with this? I love how short the paragraph is, too. It's like, oh, and there were vampires, and that's it. What? (laughs) And then she grabs the nose and goes back to the palace. And anyway. Her fiancé is a bad king. (laughs) (laughs) He is not dealing with the vampire problems in his constituency so close to home. (laughs) How can he be trusted to run an entire country? I love that part of the story, and Jesus it's Christ. so random. It's wonderful. Okay, <laughs> I absolutely wow. love it. I'm happy that you're happy, but I am dying. Continue, it's, please. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thank shit. you, Hans Christian. Well, and it's so creepy, too. Like, they're eating the flesh from new grapes. Like, what the yes. fuck? And it's so random and unnecessary. Isn't that zombies? <laughs> <laughs> this is also written in 1838, but it's yes. just like... What a great addition to an otherwise completely normal fairy tale. Yeah. it's per- I love awesome. it. Awesome. I would change nothing about that. Ignores the vampires, <laughs> gets her nettles, kind of glares at them. She gives them, the, <laughs> she gives them the hairy eyeball and then goes back to the palace. Yep. Cool. And, but who is waiting at the palace that sees her? No, dun, 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 the archbishop. The archbishop. Correct. <laughs> He sees her coming from the churchyard with the nettles. And for him, this confirms his suspicion that at least as a witch. 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 She's a witch. (laughs) Burn her. (laughs) Yep. And that's exactly what he tells the king. And the king doesn't believe the archbishop right away. But he notices that Elisa is sneaking into their room at night, uh, doing things with nettles that are stinging. And he... Becomes really suspicious of her and is start, starts to, like, follow her and he's watching her. And once Elisa runs out of flax again, she has to go back to the churchyard. Mm-hmm. And this time the archbishop and king follow her. So they see her. So this confirms it for the king. And Elisa is quickly sentenced to die by fire. What the fuck? Because <laughs> she's a witch. Because she's a witch. <laughs> but I also, like... Okay, but why isn't he taking care of the vampire problem? That's what I, I know. know. <laughs> Were the vampires not there? <laughs> Don't you have bigger problems to worry about? Oh, geez. Then your wife has like an odd habit that you already knew about because you built her a cave and brought yeah. all of her work over. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't. You already knew she did this. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't marry random women you find in the woods. Just because they're cute and they don't talk. And they're obviously not that into you. I mean, she was crying a bunch. She was crying. (laughs) So she's taken from her room and thrown into the dank, dark dungeon. And as like a cruel joke, given her nettles to sleep on. Joke is on them. (laughs) (laughs) Joke is on them. (laughs) Because nothing could make Elisa happier. She works quickly in the basement, weaving shirts as fast as she can in hopes to save her brothers before dying. Okay, how many does she have completed at this point? Nine, ten. Nine, okay. All right, so she's made a lot of progress. Have like a couple years passed, do you think? See, this is where I just don't know. It doesn't, I mean, it does say like night after night she's working and then she goes to get more nettles. So maybe, mm-hmm. Okay. maybe All it's right. been like, like, you know, maybe it's been like a year. Maybe she's 16 now. <laughs> sure. But I really like this part. Um, so her youngest brother finds her in the dungeon. So there's like a, a window and she sees a swan and it she it makes her so happy it's just sparks joy for elisa um mm-hmm. and convinces her to work even harder to finish the shirts while she's down in the basement because she knows her brothers are near so now they know where she is 
Yeah, so and- she'll actually be able to fling the shirts on them mm-hmm. and little i love this little mice begin helping elisa with her task bringing nettles oh, to her feet and a little wood thrush uh which is a bird perches near the dungeon window to sing to her to keep up her courage classic princess <laughs> classic and also if you've never heard a wood thrush sing you should uh listen to it search it because it's it's a really beautiful sound like really? they've got a, yeah they've got a great song it's gorgeous and they're so cute. <laughs> so I love the idea that like birds and mice are all helping her. <laughs> Very Cinderella. It's so cute. So her brothers know where she is now. And this is great news. So an hour before sunrise, Elise's brothers show up at the palace as princes. And they're demanding to see the king. So and they're, they're told that they can't see the king because he's still asleep. But they make such a fuss and work really hard that they're trying to get the king to come out so they can explain everything that's going on. Mm hmm. But lo and behold, just before the king reaches them, the sun rises and the princes were turned back into swans. Damn it. (laughs) So they did try. (laughs) Yeah, they tried. They tried to communicate about it. (laughs) Elisa was destined to be burned at the stake today. And even as the horse pulling the cart is taking her to her death, she's weaving shirts in the cart. So 10 shirts lay at her feet as she works away on the 11th. No! I know. The archbishop is watching her do this and he's claiming sorcery. And she's like saying a prayer, but it's a silent prayer. So her lips are just moving. He's trying working as fast as she can. And the archbishop is like, this is an incantation. She's evil. And he's all the townspeople that have come to watch her die. The archbishop yells and is telling them to take away her nettles and to tear her work to pieces. But before the townspeople can do that, the white swans swoop in and they form a protective circle around her. Oh, my God. Thank God. (laughs) And the townspeople take this as a sign from heaven that she must be innocent. Mm -hmm. As the executioner seizes Elise's arm, she quickly throws the 11 shirts over the swans who instantly become handsome princes, except for the youngest brother who still had a swan's wing in place of an arm. Where sleeve was missing right. from his shirt because Elisa had not been able to finish it. Mm-hmm. I love that ending. I wouldn't change a thing. I think that's so like <laughs> that he still got one wing. Like <laughs> <laughs> she tried so hard. It just shows how how down to the wire this was. Yeah, it really was. Shit. <laughs> as soon as she throws all the shirts over her brother, she says, "Now I may speak. I am innocent." And she's so overcome with anguish and pain that she falls into her brother's arms she just passes the fuck out and then do they take her the fuck out of there because fuck all of these people well the brothers explain that she's innocent and tells the townspeople and the king everything of their wicked stepmother that had cursed them the treacherous journey and elisa's determination to save them from this curse (sighs) oh and all of the wood that was laid where she was to be burned, takes root and grows beautiful flowers, like beautiful red roses and one pure white flower that the king plucks and puts on Elise's breast. She awakens and they head back to the palace for a bridal procession no king has ever enjoyed before. The end. (laughs) Wow. Oh, so they weren't even married yet. Nope. I guess not. I guess not. Okay. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What a cool. (laughs) (laughs) That was hair raising. It's wild. There's so much to that story. (laughs) You totally did that story justice. You told it beautifully. It's one of my favorites. It's so beautiful. I almost didn't want to say much because you were so, you were doing a great job. There's so much to it. 
there's fairies and vampires and swans and <laughs> yeah vampires for like two seconds like get on your husband to do his job <laughs> for one paragraph there's vampires i think that's like yeah. the funniest thing i've ever heard oh that's great though but witches and curses and yeah and dedication and loyalty and family and yep. duty and it's just so it's just it just hits all of the right spots it's a wild ride <laughs> yeah so the so the way that I originally heard this story, um, I'm I was realizing as you were talking about it, there were a lot of gaps in what you were reading me, but also my brain had a lot of extra information. So, mm-hmm. but but that's because I think I I read a novelization of this when mm-hmm. I was sixteen or yeah. so. I found it at the library. I can't remember what it was called. It was a novel length version of this story oh, where wow, they go that's into so cool. all of the nitty gritty details. Oh, I would actually love to read something like that. They remove pretty much all of the magic except for the shirts. Okay, I don't like that so much now. <laughs> what are your fixes? I guess I just, it's just weird that he's like wanting to marry her. Like, what if he just got her some help? Yeah, just took her like and also offered to like, oh, no, grab your things. Like, come with me or I don't know. He's just yeah, having um, a woman, especially a mute woman in the woods. That just... And, like, making her marry you when she can't really consent to do so. Also, yeah, as you mentioned before, fix the education system. Because, obviously, if she's a princess, she has to know how to write. <laughs> like, why yes. couldn't she have explained things with a piece of paper or something? Or maybe interpretive dance? <laughs> she could have. <laughs> yeah, point at the nettles, point at herself, mime making the shirts, mime flinging them over. Like... <laughs> I mean, also, like, she could have drawn him a picture. I'm cursed. I don't know how you would do that. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I don't know. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. Like, I I, I, I mean, yeah. that would ruin the conceit of the story, which is she can't communicate. And maybe yeah. the curse is that she can't communicate in any way. No, it says, like, her About tongue, it? Like, it says okay. yeah, with her voice. Right. So she should have been able to draw a picture or write it down something. or something. And like, why did it take her? Why did it take her brother so long to find her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, okay. So my other fix is why? I, I want to know. I guess it's not so much a fix as it's like the rest of the story. I kind of want the new king to take her and her brothers and kick the evil witch's ass. <laughs> She didn't get any kind of like, oh, yeah, no comeuppance. She fed them sand at her wedding and then cursed them. And then. Yeah, the evil queen is still like just probably happy as can be. Living it up with their deadbeat dad, I guess. Yeah, totally deadbeat dad. Obviously, he didn't care that she outcast them. And no. And then also, like he said, like, oh, I want to see her, which is why she didn't get turned into a swan. But then he still didn't see her and was apparently fine. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Whatever. Maybe that's why they didn't even go back. They were like, you know what? Why bother? You know, because that's just the thing. Like, if you if your family sucks, you don't have to talk to them. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That is the moral of this story. <laughs> that's the moral of the story. It, it is a it is a okay to only speak to the members of your family who affirm <laughs> your personhood. <laughs> oh, no, but I I love that or her- swanhood. I love that one of her brothers still has a swan arm because she couldn't finish it. That is a cool fairy tale element of it. And I kind of want to see that. I think there is a movie, but I would like that, like a, a newer version with cool CGI. 
And also, little swans, or well, I guess swans are actually kind of huge, but swans with fucking little crowns, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> swans with little crowns. I know, that's so Who doesn't want to see that? But yeah, 11 brothers. That's so many brothers. That's way too many siblings. Don't get me wrong. I love my sister so, so much, and she loves me so, so much, but I cannot imagine having 10 more mm-hmm. siblings. Yeah. Because, man, like, that's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) And that's a good point that they're so much older than her. Yeah. No wonder she's closest with her youngest brother. Because you're having, like, one kid a year. Yeah. (laughs) They're all Irish twins. (laughs) They were were prolific. But it's it's a very sweet story. And there's not a lot about it I would fix, honestly, because it's really just, it's really beautiful. Definitely just the like, maybe she could have found some way to communicate. And then also the maybe instead of marrying her, the king should have been like, damn, do you need help? Yeah. (laughs) Wow, you seem a little nuts. You're living out uh, in the woods all by yourself. Yeah. Didn't he have questions? Like, how did you get here? He obviously. Are you okay? Can I help you? (laughs) Why are you going and why are you touching these nettles constantly? I mean. My only other fix for it would be that the king cleans up his vampire problem. Yeah, he's obviously got an infestation of vampires that are just hanging out by the grave. In the churchyard that nobody seems concerned about. And <laughs> It's just so random. I That's love so, that. It's insane. The first time I read that, I was just like, what is happening in this story? Literally in my notes, it says, what the damn hell? What the damn hell? <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. That was great. Thank you for that. Thank you. That was a fun one. I'm excited for you to tell me a tale. I'm excited to tell you this tale. It's very short. Uh, It is very silly. And I was going to say it is the first actual fairy tale uh, on the pod, but there was a fairy in yours, so never mind. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. Oh, man. So that means I got the first Yeah. You got the first actual fairy. The first fairy and the first vampire. Yeah, it was a somehow wild one. You managed to score both of those. <laughs> that was a that was, that was crazy. Okay, so the one that I am about to read you is called Diamonds and Toads, or it can be called Toads and Diamonds. Um, it's another French fairy tale. I got it out of the same book that I got the Bluebeard story out of. It's the Blue Fairy Book by Andrew Lang who, as I recall, was a Scotsman who traveled around Europe and and learned a bunch of different fairy tales and wrote them down and put them in various books. But the original story was uh, by Charles Perrault and was just called The Fairies. Okay. Kind of circa the same time as Cinderella is what I'm getting. Give me your predictions. What do you think happens in Toads and Diamonds? Again, it is a French fairy tale. Kind of told mm-hmm. around the same time. It's a it's a contemporary of Cinderella, as far as origin, mm-hmm. and it is, and you know that it was originally called the fairies. So, what do you think yeah. happens in Toads and Diamonds? Well, I know for a fact that there are fairies in it. I'm not going to give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so toads in fairy tales usually are a cursed kind of thing. So I am going to guess that the toads referenced in the title are either used to curse someone or they are cursed themselves. Is that fair? Yep, that's fair. I'll take that one. 
Okay. That's, I guess that's kind of two in one. So, I mean, so we could, ju- to make it one, it could say the toad, like the toads are part of a curse. Yes. Okay, perfect. The, the toads are part of a curse. I'm going to guess there's a princess. Okay. I'm going to guess, I'm like not looking at you to like look at your face. <laughs> <laughs> toads are part of a curse. I guess that there's a princess and I guess that the curse will be because of diamonds. Okay, go. <laughs> cool. All right. So <laughs> this is Toads and Diamonds or the Fairies, depending on which version you're reading. So first paragraph. There was once upon a time a widow who had two daughters. The eldest was so much like her in the face and humor that whoever looked upon the daughter saw the mother. They were both so disagreeable and so proud that there was no living with them. But the youngest resembles their father the most. She resembles him in her courtesy and her sweetness of temper and was just one of the most naturally beautiful girls that anyone in their village had ever seen ever, as is the way with fairy tales. This is the only time the father is ever mentioned. I'm not sure if he's alive or dead or just super passive. Oh, I said it was a widow. A widow. Yes. Sorry. Thank you. There was. Yes. You said widow. The book said widow. You remembered, <laughs> you remembered this better than I do. Yes, widow. Father is dead. Maybe that's why the widow doesn't like the girl that reminds her of the father very much. But but actually, the book gives a different explanation. Uh, the book says, As people naturally love their own likeness, this mother even doted on her eldest daughter and at that same time had a horrible aversion to the youngest. Okay. So basically, they treat her a lot like Cinderella. They make her eat in the kitchen mm-hmm. and work all the time. She's basically their servant. Rude. Yeah, seriously. And I don't <laughs> like that's so similar to Cinderella in so many ways. She likes the kid that looks like her and hates the pretty one. Such is life. Mm-hmm. So this kid, she's forced to draw water twice a day from the well that's about a mile and a half away from the house and bring home pitchers and pitchers full of it. This is one of her daily tasks. So she has to keep going to this well over and over again to actually get water for the family. Mm -hmm. And one day as she's at the well, uh, there comes upon her a poor woman who begs to let her have a drink. Do you think this woman is just a regular person, Kelsey? No, I think it's her grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wolf in disguise. Run! (laughs) Oh my God, I wish, but no. That's not, that's not it at all. No, I think it might, it might be a fairy. Uh, Fairies like to look like old women and give good advice. Yeah, give good advice, play tricks, etc. Fairy godmother? Maybe? We'll see. So she begs the young woman who in the original story, by the way, they're not named in the Andrew Lang version, but in the original story, the younger daughter is called Rose and the older daughter is called Fanny. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I know Fanny was a real name at one point, but it just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's still people named Fanny. Yeah, but it's just Fanny. It's funny because I just Rose and And Fanny. Fanny. I wasn't expecting. They just don't go together. At it all. doesn't. I was expecting like Rose and Daisy or Rose and right. Tulip. Or... That's probably one thing I would change is give Fanny a different name. But anyway, or I mean, but it, the, the original story had the names and this story does not, which makes me think that maybe Andrew Lang is just deleting names because maybe Bluebeard's wife did have a name at one point. Anyway. Oh, okay. So the, 
Back to the story. The old woman asks Rose if she can have a drink. And naturally, Rose is kind-hearted, good-spirited, beautiful inside and out, and naturally says, you know, absolutely. And she takes up some water from the clearest place of the fountain and gives it to the old woman and lets her have as much as she wants. She's super generous with it. And the old woman, when she's finished, says to her, You are so very pretty, my dear. So good and so mannerly that I cannot help giving you a gift. (laughs) I love the voice. Thank you. Because this woman is obviously a fairy who had taken the form of a (laughs) poor countrywoman to see how far the civility and good manners of this pretty girl would go. Because that's what fairies like to do with their time. And I'm not even being sarcastic. I think that's also what Greek gods and goddesses like to do. Oh, all the time. (laughs) Like their their chief job is to go out in disguise among their people and test their manners. Mm-hmm. Oh man, God, I, I wish I were a fairy. I know, it just <laughs> seems like such a cool thing. Anyway, so she wants to give Rose a gift because Rose was so polite to her and gave her as much water as she wanted. But this gift, I will let you decide whether or not this sucks or not. <laughs> I will give you a gift that at every word you speak, there shall come out of your mouth Either a flower or a jewel. Hmm. That doesn't sound like, like, yeah, you got jewels, but then you can't speak without... Dropping flowers and money out of your mouth. She's like, hey, what's going on? Yes. And like, there's all this stuff falling in your mouth. I mean, that would make you mute. Yeah, that would be a little embarrassing. And also, how would you, like, at dinner, (laughs) just... (laughs) Yeah, you just can't speak at mealtimes. And then also, so my question is, like, physically, how does this happen? Does she have to barf it up yes, every time or exactly. does it just fall out of Is her she mouth? coughing them up or do they just like, but at the, does she have to spit them out as she's talking? Did she argue with the fairy? Was she like, wait, no. Nope. Wait, give me something better. I mean, what do you say to that? <laughs> Damn you, old woman. Can't it just be that you just give me a sack of gemstones instead or something? Yeah. Anyway, um, so anyway, she goes go home on, go after on. encountering this fairy and her mom yells at her for being at the well so long and the poor girl is apologizing to her because this is just in a class. <laughs> flowers are falling out of her It's mouth. a classic <laughs> abusive situation. So she's apologizing <laughs> to her. And as she's apologizing, there comes out of her mouth two roses, two pearls and two diamonds. And her mother... I mean, freaks out. Uh, She just says, I think I see pearls and diamonds come out of the girl's mouth. How happens this child? And apparently this is the first time she's ever used like child in reference to her daughter. I'm guessing that that means that like as a term of endearment, that she's not just calling her rude names or just calling her girl or whatever. Mm -hmm. She actually calls her child and it startles Rose so much that she actually um, answers her very honestly and tells her the entire story and drops out infinite numbers of diamonds as she's telling the story. <laughs> that does not sound naturally pleasant. in the way of fairy tales where there's a where there's a favored sibling and a sibling who is not so much the widow says, oh, my God, if the fairy gave this to you my crap child that I think is so awful, she'll give a much better gift to Fanny. Fanny, you gots, <laughs> you gots to go to the well. And if any old women ask you for water, uh, give it to them nicely. This is a very common theme in fairy yes, tales. Yes, it really is. 
Very common where they're like, ah, I want to send my ugly kid. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to send my favorite kid. my favorite kid. (laughs) Fanny says, it would be a very fine sight indeed to see Migro draw water. She's being all sassy about it. The book even says that she's an ill-bred minx. (laughs) This book is really mean to Fanny. When you know what, yeah. Fanny's just a product of her upbringing, and we should just all be nicer to Fanny. Also, yeah, Fanny's, and, but Fanny should be nicer to Rose. Fanny's kind of a bitch in kind of a really fun way uh, later. So her mother says, "You shall go, hussy." <laughs> <laughs> and this minute, so Fanny leaves. Uh, she takes the best silver tankard in the house with her. She goes back to the well, and as she, and as she gets to the well, she sees coming out of the woods. Uh, a very fancy lady, a noble woman, uh, who comes up to her and asks for a drink of water. The book immediately tells you this is, of course, also the fairy. Um, but she's taken a different guise to test this person's manners because she yeah. kind of kind of already gets the sense that this person's pretty rude. And so she's going to see just how rude she can be to someone that she's not expecting. Because, you know, she's expecting the old woman and fairies are wise. Yeah. So is she like, oh, this isn't the old woman. Yeah, exactly. Fanny is once again referred to as the proud, saucy one. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of love what she says, just just on principle. Am I come hither to serve you with water, pray? I suppose the silver tankard was brought purely for your ladyship, was it? However, you may drink out of it if you have a fancy. <laughs> i like her too me too i love fanny i think fanny's the best i love that fanny's throwing massive shade here she's just throwing massive shade at the wrong person you do not shade fairies and that's the point of fairy tales is that anyone could be a fairy so be polite to everyone you meet so the fairy goes damn you're being super rude well since you have so little breeding and are so disobliging i give for you a gift that at every word you speak, there shall come out of your mouth a snake or a toad. Ha! <laughs> Point yes. for Kelsey. Toad's part of the curse. <laughs> <laughs> but also a snake, that's fun. Yeah, but also, how does this work? That <laughs> <laughs> sounds awful. So she goes back home, and her mom goes, well, talk, give <laughs> more money, please. <laughs> money, money, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> um god this book is so funny well mother answered the pert hussy throwing out of her mouth two vipers and two toads <laughs> oh mercy cried the mother <laughs> oh, mercy. what is it i see oh is it that wretch her sister who has occasioned all this so she immediately blames rose for the fact that oh, her gosh. sister is a pert hussy some fucking people. I know. <laughs> and then she goes and she beats her. She goes and she starts beating her child because the other one was rude to a fairy. So Rose, <laughs> you know, tries to dip out. She runs away. She tries to hide herself in the forest. And then, as happened in the previous story, the king's son, then on his return from hunting, met her <laughs> and seeing her so very pretty. Ask. Ah, yes. yes, she's very pretty. I shall take her home and marry her. I think Rose is a lot more into <laughs> it, though, because she's in a super abusive situation. She can speak at least. Yeah, at least she can talk. <laughs> um, he he asks her what she's doing out there all alone. And she goes like, oh, my mom, she threw me out. But as she's talking, uh, 
you know, five or six pearls and a few diamonds come out of her mouth. Bonus. Bonus. (laughs) She's pretty and gives me more money. Yep. This is a steal. Literally. The king's son (laughs) desired her to tell him how that happened, that, you know, gemstones are dropping out of her mouth. And she tells him the whole story. And I imagine that just like a pile of money is just and like flowers are piling up around her Mm -hmm. as she's telling this story. And so the king's son (laughs) fell in love with her. You know, huh? <laughs> As one imagine <does. laughs> that. And considering himself that such a gift was worth more than any marriage portion, I'm assuming that means that like she kind of comes with her own dowry for life. <laughs> yep. Conducted her to the palace of the king, his father, and there married her. <laughs> I'm imagining his eyes like in like that cartoon where like the money symbols go up and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, it's exactly that. And, um, as for the sister, she made herself so much hated that her own mother turned her off, which you created her, you know? Mm-hmm. Her mom kicks her out of the house, and Fanny, uh, having wandered about a good while without finding anybody to take her in, went to a corner of the wood and there died. The end. <laughs> <laughs> I love that ending, actually. <laughs> uh, she died the she, end. Then she died the end. <laughs> Uh, do I get a point because the uh, Rose becomes a princess? No, she just becomes a queen, huh? No, because it's the king's son. So it does imply, like, you know, he marries her, which means she does become a princess. I think I So get I think you there. get the point. And there was a, because she does become a, a princess. A toad curse? Yep. So that's two points what for was, Kelsey. What was my last prediction? Your last prediction. Oh, that the, that the diamonds fixed the curse. The, yes, yeah, but which happen. did not happen. Okay. We're tied. I've got two and you've got two. Good predictions. That was great. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that. that is Toads and Diamonds. Honestly, no edits. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, what is the moral of that story? I guess just be nice. Be polite to every single stranger you meet because you you don't know who will hurt or hinder you. Yeah, be polite. Yeah. To be polite to old women, but also be polite to rich yeah. women. Yeah, <laughs> just be polite in general. I've actually I've okay. actually found that to be very good advice anyway, because you, re- you genuinely never know who in your life might end up being helpful to you. So it's, it's generally mm-hmm. best to, to try to be nice to everybody unless they're a Nazi, in which case you don't have to be nice <laughs> to them. Go ahead and punch them. Uh, yeah, the uh, they, they have forfeited. <laughs> they have forfeited all their rights to niceness. And so they should be punched. So, yeah. So I don't know. Like, what what would your edits be for this? Like, if you do you have any fixes for Toads and Diamonds? You know, I think based on both of our stories, one of my fixes would be just about how it's always like an evil mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Because being a mom is hard enough. But hearing all these stories about moms being or especially stepmoms, they get a bad rap. Mm hmm. I think that's just a general fairy tale fix theme I'd like to see. Mm -hmm. Is we'd like to see some of these moms turned into like not horrible people. You should also respect your your parents, Mm -hmm. your kid. And that I don't feel like those kinds of stories really help with that. I just know um, growing up watching fairy tales, you see all these fairy tales that are like the mom's always evil or absent. Mm -hmm. And... Well, because that's how kids have adventures, I guess, if there's no, if their mother isn't there to protect them <laughs> from adventures. That's true. So the evil, they, they either have to be wicked or dead. 
for for <laughs> children to have adventures. <laughs> I'm excited to come upon some because a lot of them have evil mm-hmm. moms. Um, and actually, so it's interesting in the original version of this story, uh, the widow was mm-hmm. their evil stepmother. Where like where like Fanny was her biological daughter. Oh. But Rose was her father's daughter from a previous marriage. Yeah, stepmoms get such a bad. And rap. so they changed. They changed the story because it was too similar to Cinderella. Ah, <laughs> that's funny. They made the stepmother, um, both of their mother, which which is kind of like is even it's even sadder in some ways because that means that that is her daughter. Not that not that you should like abuse your stepchildren either, but I guess that's splitting hairs. I mean, that's what we're here that for. That is what we're here for. <laughs> um my I guess my only other fix for it is kind of again, she was really frightened and out in the woods all by herself and the king's son rode by and said like, "Ah, she drops money out of her mouth when I talk to her." And she's pretty. <laughs> Ching. Ching. Uh I'm going to marry you. <laughs> And she's like, God, yes, please. Take I mean, me away. yes, I'm Anything sure, I'm sure this. she did, but also, like, you know, maybe get to know each other yeah. a little bit first. But that's that's you know not how medieval times worked, I suppose. I don't know. I feel like that's a a very generalized fairy tale fix, specifically for this story. Mm-hmm. I kind of just want more sass from Fanny from the yes. Ghetto. Oh, that's a great <laughs> one. Yes, I want more Fanny <laughs> than we got. Also, we didn't really get much of... Okay, my other fix, Rose has absolutely no personality. Her only personality character trait is that she's kind. I want a little more from Rose. Yeah, and maybe that's not even her just being kind. Maybe she's just polite and she's like, okay, like just a pushover. Fanny was also polite. She did let her drink. She just had a little sass about it and was like, She was like, I mean, I didn't bring this out here for you, but fine, whatever. I love it. I mean, also, you shouldn't talk to strangers. And there's a lot of interesting things about this story mm-hmm. <laughs> that are different in modern times. Very true. There, there could be a lot of implications. That's a good point. I mean, as much as this book is preaching being being polite to everybody, there are lots of people in this world that you should not be polite to. Like if someone if someone's frightening yep. you or or being mm-hmm. super rude to you, you don't owe them politeness in return. Yeah, you don't owe them anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good for Fanny for being so good sassy. for Fanny. Fanny's the true hero of the story, and I'm sad she's dead. That pert hussy. <laughs> and who knows? I don't know. Maybe she went out into the woods by herself, but she had a great life, and then she died. She was like, maybe she was happy. Yeah, I hope so. I can, I can only. She help. had a lot of friends because her curse made living things come out of her mouth. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, snakes and toads. That's a lot. Yeah. Poor Fanny. Anyway, that's going to do it for us for this episode of Fairy Tale Fix. Thank you so much for listening to our second episode. We are so excited to finally be doing this and that uh, anybody's listening at all. So thank you. If you like the show and have some suggestions or you have your own fixes for the fairy tales you've heard, if you want us to cover anything in particular... If you want to tell us what fairy tale movies really grabbed your imagination and attention as a kid, uh, please email us at fairytalefixpodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, go to Twitter or Instagram at fairytalefixpod and uh, drop us a line. Any of that stuff, give us a follow. If you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, wherever you can leave reviews for podcasts, uh, that would really help us out because it helps other people find the show. Absolutely. And just again, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. 
It's very exciting for us. This is really fun. It is really fun. Uh, so in conclusion, <laughs> Fanny gets uncursed somehow and lives happily ever after being the sass queen that she is. And Elisa and her brothers work together to fix the education system into teaching, reading, and writing in the curriculum. And then they also take a ship across the seas to their father's kingdom and kill that old evil bitch. And they lived happily ever after. Perfect.